Welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Today's reading is taken from three different um, passages. The first is Psalm 104, verses 1 to 17. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You covered it with the watery depths as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. But at your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests, the stork has its home in the junipers. The next verse is from Ephesians 2, verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. And the last verse is Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Well, hello. For, for those you who don't know me, I'm Brian Harris. I serve as pastor at large here at Kerry, and very good to be with you today. And uh, as you're listing your grateful things, I thought, well, today's quite an easy week to speak about being grateful. It's a long weekend. And I mean, who isn't grateful on a long weekend? We, we got to sculptures at the sea yesterday, and that's the sort of thing that we just wouldn't have done unless it was, was a long weekend. So it gives you lots of other opportunities. But as we look at this question of gratitude, and we, we're looking today at this, this question of gratitude for what God has done, I guess sometimes you can draw a blank because uh, when you kind of think forward, you aren't always conscious of what you're grateful for until you lose it. And sometimes when you lose something that you actually realize, gosh, I really did appreciate that and I really did value that. Chad to a man who, who was retired. And uh, he was saying that you know, he had worked for 40 years and that for his entire working career of 40 years, he had grumbled every day about the boss and about work and everything else. And then he said, gosh, I do miss it. And I realized I really loved grumbling. It was just so nice to be able to moan every day about you know, what was wrong and who was doing this and who was doing that. And I was just so lonely to have nothing to moan about. And, and, and sometimes you, you, you do suddenly realize that actually we have things and we don't realize how fully they matter to us and how much we appreciate them. I had a student, you may well know, so I was principal of Vaux Seminary, and we trained people to be Christian leaders and so on, and was getting towards the end of the academic year. And one of the students came, and they'd been set an assignment on John chapter 1, the opening verses of John chapter 1, just to write in that and to do an exegesis of, of those verses. And the student came to me and said, uh, Brian, I just don't know what to write. It's, you know, the year's been so hard and so long, and I've worked so hard. And I was thinking, yeah, really? And... Uh, and uh, 
you know, I, th I think my brain's just frozen. I don't know what to say about this passage. And I thought, no, mate, your brain hasn't frozen. It's just not there. Well, I don't know quite what it is, but anyway. Um, no, I, I didn't say that. Those were extraordinarily polite to all our students, very encouraging to them. But, but anyway, he was saying, I, I just can't think of anything to say about this passage. And I thought, John chapter 1, the opening verses, I mean, they're, they're incredible. I mean, may, maybe you know them, maybe you don't. Let me read them. In, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And, and here he is saying, you know, I don't know what to say about that. And I said, well, okay, then maybe just imagine that the opposite of all of that is true. Just imagine that the opposite of all that is true. In the beginning, there was no word. In the beginning, there was no God. And there was nothing that was there. What's the world like then? There was no light to shine in the darkness, and there was only darkness. What, what, what is the world like then? And, and, and I think he kind of got it at that point, that sometimes we don't notice what we have until those things are taken away. And it's so easy to forget to be grateful about what we have actually been given. And so I want to suggest, just as we begin today, that you take, and I've tried to do it in my own preparation, just, just take a moment to think about those things that we take for granted, those things that are just run-of-the-mill things, those things like health, like friends, like food, like a whole host of things, that if they suddenly weren't there, I mean, imagine if your sense of taste, for example, went away. I mean, I spend my whole life struggling about not to eat too much, but that's because I enjoy it so much. That's because it's so extraordinarily nice. I imagine if your sense of taste suddenly went one day and it actually wasn't difficult not to eat too much. In actual fact, you really didn't want to eat at all. I imagine if that went. And, and so we could go on. We, we, we live in this world where we have been given so many things that we sometimes simply forget about. And so historically, Christians have said when they speak about the topic of gratitude that we should be gratitude, great, grateful at two levels. We should be grateful for what we could call the first creation and grateful for the second creation. The first creation is, is the first creation. Everything that God gives us because we live in this world that has been made and has been made so wonderfully. And, and sometimes we're so busy that we forget to actually take stock of it and to notice it. Rosemary and I and the, and the family had a, had a holiday this year just down in Margaret River. In some ways, it was a very simple holiday. We were there for two weeks. The first week, the family was all with us. second week, we were on our own. And we got to swim in the ocean many, many times. And we got to walk on the beach many, many times. And we got to eat too much many, many times. And we just had a wonderful time. And as you do that, you realize that actually this is, this is an extraordinary world, a world that has such rich color and that has so many, many things that bless us in so many different ways. And sometimes in the rush of things, we actually forget to take notice and we don't realize uh, how great things actually are. That's actually starting to enjoy and to appreciate the first creation. And when we dig into it, we actually realize there are so many things that are actually good. And in actual fact, our mindset, and I think Juliana referred to this, our mindset has often been shaped because of the marketing of our age to not be grateful. And so we instinctively look for those things that we do not have. And as we look for those things that we do not have, it, it starts to gnaw away at us. And, and instead of a sense of gratitude, we have the sense of, I've been deprived in some way because I don't have absolutely everything. And, and, and that nonsensical thinking, which makes us so extraordinarily unhappy, robs us over and over again. And, and we need to ask, actually, God, give me eyes to see, to see the things that are actually there. To see, for example, little children. No, I'm at the stage of life where I have, have two grandchildren, two granddaughters. And, and there's something astonishing about spending time with little children. You, you, you see the world with different eyes. And so uh, my youngest grand, grand, granddaughter, Coralie, she's actually just moving out of this stage now. But have you noticed so many little children, pretty much all very little children, love that game of, of hiding behind their, 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 their hands. And, and, and they think that if they cover their eyes, they can't be seen because their logic is impeccable. If they can't see you, it's perfectly obvious that you can't see them. And, 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 and quite often they, they, they'll, they'll play the game, Cora Lee will play it, and she'll, she'll, she'll kind of either hide her head somewhere and, and she won't see you, and then she'll kind of 
look up and she now can see you and she'll say, boo, and she'll roar with laughter if you pretend to be, be, be amused. And I can remember playing that game with her once I counted. It was 43 times in a row that she did that. 43 times. And, and, and the only reason it stopped was because I walked away. She would have carried on 773 times, I think. And, and, and you think you know, there's something extraordinary about this, this delight, ability to delight in the moment. To, there's nothing complicated. It's just I'm breathing. I'm alive. This is actually a wonderful and a very good thing. And, and, and historically, Christians always said, remember the goodness of the first creation. Remember the goodness that, I mean, this might be a fallen world, this might be a broken world, there might be many things that go wrong, yes, you are going to die, but for all that, this is an extraordinary world where we're given so many gifts along the way. And so a, a wonderful Christian practice through the years has been the practice of what is sometimes known as mindfulness, or of stopping and remembering to give thanks. So in the, in the Christian rhythm of things, uh, you might well, as, as you were growing up as, as a child, might have been taught, for example, to say grace with meals. And so we stop before meal, and we say, thank you, God, for the provision of this food. And I don't know if that's something that you do in your family or not. A, a lot of Christian families don't do that anymore. And, and it's, not, it's not right or wrong to do that. I, I realize that some people say, oh, you know, it just becomes such a pattern that you don't actually even know what you're saying anymore. It doesn't mean anything. So, you know, for what we're about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful, blomp, and you dive into the food. So maybe what could be a better pattern would be to actually say, okay, I don't, I don't necessarily have to say grace before every meal, but why don't I build a rhythm of gratitude into my life? So that once a week, perhaps, uh, not necessarily every meal, but once a week, I just actually sit down and consciously think, God, these are all the things that you've given to me this week, and I am truly thankful. And, and write them out, and maybe as a family. Maybe instead of like a 15-second prayer before a meal, why not once a week just take the time to, to check in as a family and to say, these are the things that we're thankful for. These are the things that we must notice. Because if we are not actually mindful of what's going on, we can miss so many things. In fact, some people have said it's, it's, not necessarily just the, it's not necessarily just the discipline of mindfulness. It can be the discipline of watchfulness. Let's watch for what it is that God is actually doing. Because God is giving things to us the whole time, and it is so very, very, very easy to actually miss them. And so if you say, why be grateful? I think the first answer is, is be grateful for the first creation. And spend some time going out into the garden, going for a drive into the countryside, remembering that this world could have been very different. It could have been a hostile, ugly, gray world. But it is a world of great color and great delight. And, and, and if you're finding it hard for any reason to, to, to get into that, just, just pause for a moment. Just pause for a moment and, and imagine if those things were not. Imagine if you weren't able to breathe easily. Imagine if you would, and, and, and let that go on and, and realize how much these things do actually matter and how valuable they are. But for all that, for all that, any of those things can be taken away. They can be taken away. And the day comes when you might be saying, well, Brian, you said I should be grateful for my health, but how can I be grateful for my health that's gone? You may say, be grateful for friendships, but my friends have died. And, and life is a series where we do lose many things. And so we recognize that as Christian people, the depth of our gratitude comes at a much, much more significant level. We are grateful ultimately for Jesus, and we are grateful ultimately for what God has given to us, and we are grateful ultimately for those things that cannot possibly be taken away. And, and so listen to this passage, and uh, if you've got a Bible, feel free to follow along, but, 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 but let's hear what... Uh, what Paul has to say, say to us in Romans chapter 8, Romans 8, 35 to 39. And Paul is writing and he's thinking of things that might go wrong. And here's what he says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he's asking the question against a backdrop where persecution for the Christian church is, is real, and it's starting to mount, and it's starting to gather pace. 
Paul himself will be a victim of it. Ultimately, he will be beheaded for his faith. And so this question, who can separate us from the love of Christ, when I look at a hostile environment with things going badly wrong, this is a real question. So, so who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, not theoretical persecution, actual persecution which we see growing, this church has been scattered, many things have gone wrong, shall these things separate us from the love of Christ? Or will it be famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And there was an irony in that because Paul was going to be beheaded with a sword. Will a sword separate me from the love of Christ? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, in all these things, not apart from these things, he said that, in all these things which we think will be the greatest tragedies and the most difficult things in life, in all these things we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced I am convinced. I'm not, I'm not kind of wondering. I am convinced that neither death nor life and life's experiences, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, those are powerful, powerful, powerful words. Because Paul is saying, in this extraordinarily beautiful world, where things are so exquisitely good most of the time, yes, sometimes things can go badly, horrifically wrong. But you know what? You can know that in the midst of those, God is still with you. And, and we heard some stories of that today. And perhaps if you look in your own life, you might be able to think back to extraordinarily difficult times and and maybe you were able to tap into this reality that God was with you. I can remember when I was pastoring at Armstronger Baptist Church meeting Howard Clothier, a man who had had really poor health all his life. And uh, while I was there, I mean, though he'd had poor health all his life, he had actually lived a very full life. But everything went wrong when I was there in terms of his health. He had to have a, one leg amputated. Just before his death, he was about to have, have the other amputated. And, and it seemed to be such an awful death, actually, that, 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 that he was experiencing. And I can remember I was just like visiting him at, at hospital almost the whole time. And I thought, well, this is a horrible way to end a life. But I can remember him saying to me, Brian, I want you to tell, your, you, you, you like to tell stories, Brian, he said. And I want you to tell my story. And I want you to tell your congregations, wherever you are, about what has happened to me. And you can tell them that Howard Clothier says this. So, so this is not breaching a story. I'm actually obeying someone who said that I must tell them this. He said, Brian, absolutely everything that I ever feared in life has actually happened. He said, because I've had this poor health and I've had all these things wrong with me all the time, I always realized that it could end pretty horribly and that the nightmare might one day come true. And he said, and it has. It has. But what I never figured, what I never figured, was that because God is with me and because his love has been so close to me, that I would truly have to say these have been the most exhilarating months in my life. And so I want you to tell people in the future that whatever they're dreading, whatever you think the nightmare might be, you can go through it and not be afraid because God will be with you. And Howard Clothier tells you that that's the case. And so I'm telling you today, as I have said once or twice before, that this is what we are grateful for. Because ultimately, no matter what happens in life, the hope for Christian people is that God is, that God is real, that this world is a little window of, of happiness most of the time. But even when it is not, Ultimately, it is a window to eternity, a window in which we see that God is, God is real, God loves, God forgives, God gives us a purpose, God gives us a hope. And as we grasp onto that, we actually realize that we can wake up each day and we can say, you know what? God is here. God is good. I don't need to be afraid. And whatever happens, nothing, as in nothing, 
as in nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. And therefore, I go out in today with this very simple confidence. Let me remember to be thankful for the extraordinary number of good things that are around me. And when the time of difficulty comes, let me claim the promise of the psalmist, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. And if you are with me, I need never be afraid. Let's pray together. Lord, forgive us that sometimes in the rush of our lives, we forget to just stop, take stock, and to say thank you. And right now, we want to just say thank you. Thank you for sunny days. Thank you for rainy days. Thank you for friends. Thank you for laughter. Thank you for food. Thank you for children. Thank you for work. Thank you for, Lord, so many, many things. And Lord, thank you that at the most deep level, thank you that even when those are taken away, even when the day of trouble comes, thank you that we can look to you with quiet confidence and know that we will never, ever be alone. Thank you for Jesus and for the hope that he gives. Amen.